What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of a We Are One, You Are Two PlayStation and Video Game Podcast. I am your host, as always, Robert Fanzo, joined once again by former Rocket League champion himself, Matt Rhodes. <laughs> I'm working my way back up there. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Uh, Matt, we're, we normally do our, our little what we've been playing and everything like that. We're going to hold off because we've got an awesome interview uh, with Yakuza Games here. Uh, and uh, one of the creators of Skell Attack. Oh, and so I'm we're so going to talk. We are, yeah, we are too. Um, we're going to hold off on that. It is our Inside the Industry interview for the week. Uh, and uh, I will just say real quick that what I have been playing is Skell Attack. Yeah. You know, I, I was just making the second part of the Let's Play, and that will be up along with this interview by the time you guys watch this, along with my reactions as I'm playing. Sweet. So uh, we're just going to hop right into it, Matt, and uh, get started. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everyone, welcome to our Inside the Industry interview segment, or I guess podcast, really. Uh, again, I'm Rob Fanzo. I'm here with my co-host, Matt Rhodes. hey And today we have uh, we have two different people joining us today, Matt, so it's kind of exciting. Uh, we'll see how much we talk over each other. I'm sure Dave's <laughs> going to love it on the editing side. Uh, we have David Stanley, who is the uh, developer and creator of Skeletac, and we have his publisher here, Shane Delamo from Yakuza Games. Hello, guys. How you doing? Great, man. Thanks for having us. Good. How you doing? Hanging in there. Uh, so, Shane, I wanted to congratulate you first off on the launch of uh, Epic Loon. Right, yeah, You guys you. just launched that last week on Xbox One and PC. Yes, sir. How's that going so far? And what are you guys kind of seeing on your end? Uh, it's going well. Um, so, you know, just being an indie, it's very difficult to get visibility for a title, uh, especially because there's so many different titles that are releasing out there every single day. So, you know, one thing with Yakuza is, you know, we're publishing partners with Microsoft, with Sony, with Nintendo. Um, so having those those platforms be available to us for the games that we launch allow us a lot more visibility uh, than, say, just a, a standard uh, indie studio creating their own game and releasing it on Steam. Um, so that, you know, they kind of play off one another, Steam and uh, the consoles. And, you know, if there's visibility on one platform, it helps kind of boost the other platform as well. Um, so, yeah, it's going it's going pretty good. We uh, we had ID at Xbox uh, tweet us out yesterday uh, about the game. They put our trailer up. Uh, we had Major Nelson also go and uh, and tweet us out. So that got a bunch of visibility, saw us some spikes in sales uh, and the reception for the game has been great. So, you know, we're, we're really excited to see where it goes and, you know, it's going to take over a period of a year or two years to see, you know, the total amount of sales. Um, obviously we're not like a, a devolver digital or a team 17. So it's not like smash out the gate. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're definitely seeing some, some good spikes in sales and, and awesome reception. That's awesome. I, I, um, I should mention I'm in a couple of different Facebook groups for gamers and, uh, somebody actually posted about your game Epic Loon the other day in the, in the, one of the groups I was in telling everybody to check it out. And I was like, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm going to be talking to that guy in a couple of days. <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of weird to see that and, and know that, uh, I'm going to be speak, you know, speaking with the guy that's got that published and, and help get that, uh, out to those people that are advertising it through those Facebook groups even. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, so Shane, tell us like a little bit how Yakuza games got started. Like what uh, What did you see in Epic Loon and Skill Attack as like choices for your first two games? Sure. Um, so we, we actually celebrated our essentially 
two-year anniversary, uh, but it, it was like our one-year anniversary almost. And the reason I say it that way is because uh, about, about two years back, uh, Doug and I got together and you know, we, we said, you know, let's, let's come up with something. Let's create a publisher. Um, let's not be a, a giant corporate dictator and, um, you know, a publishing overlord. Let's, let's be human about it. Um, so we, we decided that we wanted to create this publisher. You know, we soft launched it for the first year or so. Uh, the first year we essentially did market research, product market fit to understand what the needs were in the, in the gaming community. Um, so we spoke to a bunch of uh, indie devs. They were very excited to work with a, a publisher. Um, obviously, we had to be a little bit more selective. Uh, you know, our goal wasn't to be one of those publishers that just went out there, signed every single title, and then threw it at the wall and you know hope something would stick. You know, we were very selective. We really put the focus on games that had fantastic stories, memorable characters, or really, really memorable gameplay experiences. You know, the first year went by and we had we had a couple different interests from uh, studios that wanted to publish with us. Uh, but essentially what we what we said is we still need a little bit more time. So we uh, we got our bearings together. We uh, understood the market a little bit more uh, and continued building some of those relationships with Microsoft, Sony, uh, Nintendo, and, uh, and, you know, built up our, our connections with journalists and such. A year back, we uh, did our full public launch uh, with Yakuza. So we, we, uh, we hit it hard. We started promoting us. We, we said, hey, indie devs, come and, come and work with us if you're interested in publishing your title. Um, so we got a slew of, of submissions, a, a bunch of pitches for different games. And, you know, there were there were some really fantastic ones, but there were some also really, really terrible ones. <laughs> you know, the, the, it, it's always going to be there. You know, everyone thinks their game is fantastic. And that's why we're kind of in the situation we are with in these studios, putting games out there right now and not getting visibility. We, ha- we had some really good ones that um, we took the conversation really far. We got through the publishing agreement. Um, but you know, it just didn't play out and, and what, what studios were looking for versus what we could offer just wasn't a match sometimes. So un- unfortunately, a couple of those really, really good games didn't happen that we were, we were hoping for. Um, but one of the first titles that we, that we basically reached out for was Skeletac. Um, and you know, Dave and I, <laughs> Dave and I were the first ones to connect. You know, I, I noticed Skeletac and Dave was putting up some videos around, uh, you know, some of the progress he was making. And I, I was like, okay, it, this looks like it has something there. Um, he, you know, he was showing some of the Scully animation running through the dungeon. I was like, wow, that, like that side, the side scrolling uh, running animation is fantastic in the game. And um, I, I said, it's very basic, but I think he really has something here. Um, and, you know, just kind of digging into it a little bit deeper. Uh, I, I know Jamal was involved and I listened to some of the music and, and that was really great. Um, so, you know, I just, just followed David to start and then just, you know, every now and again, he would post something and I check out his work and I, I would like it. Um, and after a little while, I, I guess David was searching around for a publisher and, you know, I didn't even know that. Um, <laughs> but, but he, uh, he reached out and sent me a message and said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking at getting a publisher for the game. Uh, would you guys be interested? 
I wrote back and I said, you know what? You know, you beat me to the punch. I was actually getting ready to <laughs> message you. So we're, we went back and forth over email a couple times, just talked about what we offered and, uh, you know, how we could work together. And then we set up a Google Hangout and we were like, let's, let's discuss it. So we took Dave through uh, our pitch deck for being a publisher and what, what we offered. And, uh, you know, it was Doug, me and Dave all together just having a conversation and it was such a good time. You know, yeah, we, it was. We, were, we were all just fanboying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was amazed that uh, someone like Yakuza was showing such an interest in, in my my little platforming game. Um, so there was a lot of like mutual respect and admiration on both sides of the table. And also a lot of passion coming from Shane and Doug for my game. Like they were pitching ideas to me. And I was like, oh, my God, somebody actually cares about this as much as I do, it seems. So that was, uh, that was a, a great chat. The start of something, uh, incredible, I think. Yeah. That's, that's pretty awesome to hear. And, uh, I, well, I mean, it's, it's one of those things, uh, you know, especially us doing this podcast that I'm our social media guy. Um, and you can just kind of see sometimes when a game has something special about it, um, <laughs> yeah. versus when it's like, well, that's, that's cool. I see you're making something there and I see that, you know, you're, you're working real hard at, at developing this, but uh, sometimes certain ones just stick out. You know, I know that uh, if I had seen that Skeletax, that's what got me interested in talking to you guys in the first place was checking out the screenshots and, and then heading over the demo. I was like, they've got something special on their hands here. I really appreciate that, man. Thank you. As a gamer, being on the other side of that, you recognize it, you can recognize immediately that there's something going to uh, do well with what's what's going on, you know, with the development there. It's one of those things that you, you can try to plan it all you want. Like, yeah, these are going to be my hooks that pull people in. And these are going to be the things that keep people playing my game and talking about my game. You can try to plan that stuff. But honestly, so much of it, it I don't know. It seemed kind of random to me. I just wanted to make a game that looked fun and was fun and didn't have too many bells and whistles. It, it really came down to like a lot of great feedback and support from a lot of random people around the world. It just kind of pushes you to keep going and make things better, even if you need to focus on your day job. You know, it just keeps you coming back and staying passionate about this little project. Awesome. So you guys have kind of talked a little bit, we, we've talked a little bit about uh, Yakuza Games and, and uh, you know, how you guys kind of connected. Why don't we go ahead and tell us a little about, David, tell us a little bit about the game itself. Because um, it is your first game if i'm correct it's my it's my first solo game okay yeah so where were you before if you can talk about that at all and yeah uh, what got you in the game development you know even what birthed the idea for something like Skeletac? uh so back in 2012 i was freelancing just kind of looking for that one job that was going to kind of make everything make sense for me in life because freelancing is incredibly random and there's a ton of odd jobs there um so i was reaching out to like anyone and everyone that you know, might need my services, which at the time it was just illustration and 2D animation and flash. Uh, so I reached out to a guy who needed some mobile app reskins done. If anyone doesn't know what a reskin is, you purchase a pre-made game engine and you just change all the graphics and leave the engine the same. So people could flip these games and make profit on them you know, through their ad revenue and whatnot without actually having to do any programming. So I was doing that for a long time and it wasn't the most uh, 
rewarding work, like in my soul, <laughs> but it, it paid the bills, you know? <laughs> anyway, fast forward a bit and uh, I start working with another guy um, and we're actually, you know, he, he brings me in and I'm still not programming yet, but we're in a sort of sandbox game building environment. It's a program called BuiltBox and I'm actually building levels and I'm not even focusing so much on art and animation anymore. He just, he loved being able to pass level building and puzzle creation off to me. And he could focus on like the visuals and business side of things. So I'm in here, I'm in here like building all these levels and puzzles and finding ways to troll the player through their phone. Very simple stuff. We started getting um, attention from Apple. You know, we, we got numerous features where our games are being, you know, featured on the front page of the app store in hundreds of countries. And I'm like, oh my God, this is actually something that feels good. And we're seeing really good results from this. But still there was that like nagging feeling that I wanted to do something more. Like I just, I create something every day and I just want more of this. Um, I was like, I need to learn how to program. So I start looking around and I discover uh, game maker ultimately and I saw that the community was incredibly strong and people were making beautiful things with the software uh, so I pick it up and I'm like you know what I think first first steps just make a really simple platformer engine using some tutorials I found on YouTube and let's just see if I can actually understand this code and begin to write it for myself and if nothing comes of it, then it's okay. I've still got my day job. And that practice uh, program that I built was the backbone of Skeletac. And I just stayed interested in it. And I was understanding the code more every week. And I just kept building and building and building. It started with, I, I had like an old animated sprite that I had made for something on the day job that we actually ended up not making. So it was just a run cycle of this chubby, short little skeleton. Uh, I, I didn't make it for really any reason other than to just kind of pass the time and uh, to use it for a demo for the day job. You know, we, like I said, we ended up going with another direction. So <laughs> once I had my, my personal platformer engine running in Game Maker, I tossed in that skeleton because I just needed something visually to kind of get those juices flowing creatively. And I was like, wow, I actually really like this skeleton. But wait, like, what is, what's the story here? Like, why a skeleton compared to a human or a ghost or a dragon or anything else? Like, why would this game be focused on a skeleton? So <laughs> every day in the shower, I'm just like shampooing and thinking like, oh, man, what is this game going to be about? What is it? And I was like, wait, skeletons typically live in dungeons. Like, what if I just have the dungeon as not a sad place, not a place that um, you want to avoid, but like, this is his home. So naturally, he'd be defending it from humans from the outside. Perfect, perfect. So, you know, I just kind of, I have these little, like, eureka moments every couple of days, and the story just built from there. And then, you know, once I hooked up with Yakuza, it went into, like, it, it, it went into overdrive and we had so much more coming in from Shane and Doug. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is, this is amazing. <laughs> you know, they, they really pushed me to write 
the best and biggest story for this game that I could. And they had a lot of great input. And uh, we all have like a huge fingerprint on this game now, obviously, and care a lot about it. Sorry, that's kind of a long story, but um, Skeletac is like three years in the making. So there's a lot of history there. That's that's awesome. Uh, You know, (laughs) I love the fact that you were standing. I mean, that's it reminds me of being a grad student. You're just standing in the shower every day going, <laughs> and it just, it's constantly wherever you are, you're getting a cup of coffee. It doesn't matter. You're just constantly thinking about well, what's this and how does this work? And, yeah, exactly. You and, know? and that became like, that kind of set the stage for the entire production of this game. For me personally, I like when I'm out to dinner or doing something else, skeleton attack is kind of in the back of my mind somewhere. The gears are always turning sometimes a little slower than others, but like it's always there. And um, most of my life as a creative person, I haven't had a, a single personal project that I fell in love with in the way that I fell in love with Skeletac. So it's really amazing to me. Like every day I'm just like, wow, I don't hate this game yet. I still, <laughs> I still enjoy, you know, programming, which I never thought I would say. I still enjoy thinking about this game on a daily basis. And I think Yakuza feels the same. And that was why it was so important to me to find someone like Shane and Doug uh, who cared about this project in their in their soul as opposed to, oh, yeah, I think this game can move, you know, 50,000 units and make our bank accounts look really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you if you go back, I always say say this when we're interviewing and. Dave's like, don't do it, but go, 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 go look at Dave's YouTube channel. Don't and, do it. Uh, <laughs> please. And you'll, you, you'll, you'll see all the early work for Skeletac. And, uh, you know, that's essentially where we picked it up and we saw something in it. And then look at the recent trailer we put out and it's night and day difference. It's, it's amazing what it looks like now. Yeah. It's, it, it's really miraculous. Like, being so close to this project, it's still kind of hard for me sometimes to realize just how far I've come. I'm always like, uh, I could I could do better. Why am I not doing better? And then I go back to 2015 and I'm just like, wait, I, I have come a long way. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he brings up the YouTube channel, just to remind you every once in a while. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. Right. That's yeah, right. It's, it's crazy. Like, I can't wait until the game is actually out and I can post like a side by side comparison and just be like, look at what we did. <laughs> <laughs> well, so from both sides, it seems like there's a lot of like love and joy for this project, which is uh, an amazing thing to hear. But uh, has, has there been any kind of like challenges from, you know, one side or the other or both? Um, no, not, not really. Um, you know, Doug, Doug and I always, always spoke, uh, you know, about, about status and, uh, where we were with the whole, whole dev life cycle piece. And, um, we were always extremely happy with, with, uh, you know, Dave's ideas and, uh, and what he was delivering and, uh, the collaboration and, you know, everything we did, we, we, we were tied at the hip on, um, and, you know, the relationship we've had just was awesome. And, um, you know, working together since I think it was July, July of last year, um, through now, you know, a, a year later, uh, you know, we, we've, we've worked hand in hand the whole way. We were at PAX South together when we first got that in the, uh, uh, the PAX like indie, indie showcase that they have. And, you know, then, then we were out at 
GDC, and we were showcasing Scale Attack to uh, some bigger names in the industry. And, uh, you know, we were calling Dave every day. Yeah. Like, hey, this is what's going on, man. This is awesome. <laughs> we're doing some really cool stuff. Yeah, here. I, was, I was freaking out. Yeah, yeah. We've always been lockstep with that. And um, we just had PAX, PAX East uh, as well. And, you know, Dave, Dave came up and we were all, you know, we stayed together. We, we rented a penthouse and we, uh, we all stayed together and, you know, we had dev studios come over and everyone was drinking and having food and stuff. So, uh, really good time. And, you know, eventually we got to the point, um, you know, earlier in the year, I think it was probably after PAX East and, you know, we, we had some real good opportunities come in and, we were like, we, we need to, do, to really do what's best for the game. So to, to, you know, unlock some of these opportunities, let's bring Dave on. You know, like like Doug and I were discussing it. And we we're like, let, let's have Dave be an official member of Yakuza. Let's bring the game in-house and let's work on it in-house. And we'll also go after some of these these new opportunities that cropped up. So we, you know, we, we proposed it to Dave and we said, Dave, we, you know, we love working with you. It's been here for a while. So we want you to come on. Uh, as one of the the co-founders as well, um, and we'll bring the development in house, and we'll go after all of these new opportunities as well. You know, we we were like, yes, yeah. let's do this. Yeah. This is natural. Yeah, it it felt really good for all three of us. And you know, I've I've worked with these guys for so long now, and they have brilliant ideas, which in turn spawn brilliant ideas on my end. So this opportunity, like taking Skull Attack in house to bring it to completion also meant that, wow, Yakuza is now a development team, not just a publisher. Um, and I like, personally, I'm really looking forward to what, what Yakuza game will come next in house, uh, because we've got a really great team here, but uh, like every, everyone has really unique talents and is multi-talented. Uh, the, the sky is kind of the limit on that one. So I'm really excited, but from my end, like, challenges and whatnot um there there's this inherent hurdle that needs to be overcome like i am the lead on skell attack and a lot of people are counting on this thing running well and uh having having all the features and mechanics that it needs to have so there's that like constant stress in the background of like oh man if i if i can't pull this off there are a few people that I'm going to be able to pass this off to, to fix it for me. So I'm constantly like, ah, I hope, I hope this works. <laughs> and there, yep. there've been many times across the years, even before Yakuza came on where I was just like, I don't even know if I can get save files to work. You know, I, I was <laughs> like so much about this game is like learning as I go, you know, cause this is my first, uh, programming experience. You know, we've supplemented the team. So when, when Dave came in, in-house, we uh, we got another developer, Jason Gertner, yeah. uh, who's also working on Skell Attack. And he's been great. Yeah, he's he's been working with Dave directly. Um, and then we also had a new CTO for Yakuza come on, uh, Paulo Cristo. Yeah, so so the team's growing, the team's expanding, and you know that now Dave is a lead on a game um, <laughs> and directing the game with another developer underneath him. Right, and he's been programming for longer than I have, so he can kind of go behind me and polish some things that I was unsure of and also implement some new mechanics that I'm 
I either don't know how to do on my own or am too busy with other things because I'm still handling all the art and animation and, um, you know, a good chunk of writing. Yeah, Yakuza would constantly have brilliant ideas, as I said. And every time I was like of two minds about them, like one, I was super excited because I was like, this is going to make the game so much better. And, you know, the second like the immediate reaction after that is like, Oh, how am I going to program this? <laughs> and in like, I'm going to say like 90% of the cases I was able to pull it off. You know, if I, if I had stayed just as a solo developer, no publisher, no helpers working on this game, I wouldn't have done any of that stuff. I might've thought about it, but I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have done them on my own. Uh, so it was just really, really great to have somebody there like, Hey, you do good work. I know you can do this. Like, what if we did these things? And I'm like, you know what? Thanks. I, I appreciate the support. I'm going to do my best to make these happen. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, that's great to hear because it sounds like you guys have a lot of uh, chemistry together and it sounds like the entire process has gone very smoothly for the most part. Yeah. yeah. Um, with everything too. And I know, uh, Shane, you mentioned about, you haven't really seen any issues on your end with anything and, and you guys have had a pretty smooth process. Uh, the one thing, because you guys are, do have a, you said a relationship with Xbox, right? And Steam. How, the one thing that I've understood from some of the people we've spoken to is it's kind of hard to get into that. Um, could you talk a little bit about that relationship you have with some of those console and, and some of those uh, companies? Because it's, from what I've heard, it's not always the easiest to be able to get their attention or to be able to, to engage with them. Right. Taking one of the console uh, partnerships, for example, for Nintendo uh, was Switch. Um, so when we started, you know, we for Epic Loon we decided, okay, we're gonna we're gonna bring it to Switch. So what we essentially had to do was we got access to as developers to um, to Wii U and 3DS, so we could go in and we could develop for those. Uh, but Nintendo has been very, very strict in terms of who they allow to develop for Switch and, and get access to the, uh, the dev environment. So, um, you know, one of the first things we had to do with them uh, was to kind of send in the pitch for the game. Uh, but we also had to talk a little bit about our background and, um, you know, the, the team surrounding the game um, in order for them to review it and then either give us the approval or give us the denial for epic loon you know when we when we went through and wrote wrote to them it was more about you know doug doug and my experience um you know earlier in my career i did a lot of uh 3d design work uh, and visual effects work here in new york city and um you know i was working with with maya and 3ds max and unreal uh, and then, you know, over the years, uh, Doug and I worked with Unity and we were actually, um, we were doing some press stuff with Unity and we were one of the, the media partners for Unity for Unite 2015 in Boston. Um, so, you know, having, having that background, having, um, covered a bunch of games b before, um, and then, you know, having my work of leading teams and, um, designing products for companies like Microsoft and Amazon, we had to put all of that into basically this pitch that we were giving them. One of our, uh, our executive producers on Epic Loon is Shibuya Productions. So they're, they're producing the game. 
And if you don't know Shibuya Productions, you should know Shibuya Productions uh, because they are basically the company that's producing Shenmue 3. Yes. So, yeah, there, there are partners on that. So, you know, the coming together of our experience plus their experience and then um, the team, Macrala Studio, they, they also have years of experience under a different name building games for hire, essentially. So we put all of that into this pitch, sent it to Nintendo. Took a while, uh, but we finally got the green light response back and we gained access to that. And, you know, for anyone that hasn't been through publishing on a console, it can be very, very difficult. There's a lot of certification that needs to happen. Um, you have to go through certain channels to get things done. And there's a bunch of different teams you're engaging with at the same time. So that's why we... We always say, like, let us handle that. Uh, as a as a indie developer, uh, focus on creating the game. Let us, as the publisher, handle uh, dealing with all that business work and and you know getting trailers cut, getting any sort of media reviews done. Um, so yeah, it's 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 tough to get onto those platforms. You know, for Xbox and uh, and Sony, it's a little easier, but they still have the review process where if that game isn't up to par for what they consider for the platform, uh, they'll deny you and you won't be able to get get on. So yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been been fun. I, I mean, it's yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's been fun going through it. it. You know, we've learned so much going through the whole process. And take for example the the ID at Xbox post and the Major Nelson post that happened yesterday. Um, so you know, my team is hand in hand with their team and we're, we're discussing, okay, these are some of the marketing things that are going to happen today. Uh, can, can you do this? Can you, you know, create X, Y, or Z? And we'll get those taken care of and shown out. So there's a lot of collaboration between, uh, you know, the, those platforms and uh, us as the publisher. You know, whereas Valve, Valve has their backend built and it's essentially go in and, you know, put your files up there as long as you pay, pay for it. Uh, and it'll be just pushed out to the world when you check the checklist yeah. essentially yeah that's that's interesting i mean i know consoles are a little bit tougher um sometimes i question that because i see some of the games they have on the playstation store but just um, <laughs> <laughs> fine and that and i know because we read the we read the drop every week on this this podcast and so we know sometimes uh, sometimes you know, it's all like, about oh. who you yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. but that's awesome to hear um i guess maybe moving back well, actually, maybe we could talk about this since you just mentioned Steam. Well, I guess it's kind of maybe for both of you, maybe more so for David, because I know, you know, Shane, as you guys creating a publisher, that it's a little bit different process, although I know publishers have done this before. What made you guys decide not to do Kickstarter or Steam Early Access, that kind of route? Man. <laughs> you know, why, why avoid both of I don't even I don't even want to talk about Kickstarter. <laughs> uh, no, um, honestly... <laughs> Honestly, we had our finger on the button to launch a Kickstarter. It was fully researched. The page was built. Um, we were all ready to do a hardcore push. But the timing of the Kickstarter was not ideal. You know, E3 was right around the corner. And, you know, Shane brought it to our attention because it's going to suck a lot of a lot of attention away from any Kickstarters that are out because everyone's looking to E3 to see what the big dogs are going to be doing. And it was like, uh, you know, our, our Kickstarter might do well or it might completely flop. And then we'll be right back where we started. 
Um, maybe we just, you know, and also we had, um, we were just about to go to Boston for uh, PAX East. And it was just like, uh, we can't really let our Kickstarter just launch and go on autopilot while we're all out of state dealing with four long days being on the PAX floor. It, it, it was just like, we felt it was in the best interest for the game to just kind of relax on that. <laughs> and I was like, I still love the game very much. I'm going to build it out no matter what. If I have zero dollars or thirty thousand dollars, we were just like, yeah, let's let's keep on rolling with it. Yeah, we we did. Um, so so like Dave said, we had full Kickstarter page built, uh, super beautiful page, like really awesome. Dave did some custom design work for it. We we organized the hierarchy of the page. We had people review it. Uh, we had our thunderclap already running, um, so we we had a reach of five hundred thousand people with thunderclap which if if you've used thunderclap that's a really really good number you know most people will will hit that uh 100 supporters mark uh as their goal i think we were 250 or 300 yeah we had a lot of we had a lot of support like waiting there yeah people were very happy to uh to help us out with their social media and just putting their voice behind ours which is you know something that we've carefully built up you know, through like our social media relations over the course of years. So it just was kind of a natural, a natural flow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we also had some, you're taking E3 at this point, which, you know, thankfully we didn't launch during E3 because E3 was complete chaos. Like all the awesome stuff that (laughs) launched and, or that was announced, uh, you know, we just would have been buried. Um, but the, uh, you know, the other piece that, we decided to hold off on because uh, what was some some opportunities for the game um, with a very very large publisher um, so you know even though we're a publisher we're always looking out for what's best for the game um, so we've we've been in talks with major AAA publishers about picking up the game as well you know there were talks like that happening which you know we, we said it's probably not in our best interest to launch a Kickstarter uh, with these other people in discussions already. So, you know, that combined with E3, um, and just the timing, we, we said, yeah, let's, let's hold off. It'll, it'll be better this way. You know, we, we didn't need the money. We didn't need the money to get, get through and launch the title, uh, for the fall, like we were shooting for. But if we did do it, then it would allow us to do all this extra stuff, hire on a few developers, uh, add on to the story, uh, the storyline, and add a bunch of new characters to the game. Right. Uh, which we're doing some of that still right now. Yeah, like within reason. Yeah. Okay. Um, and going back even before any talk of the Kickstarter, um, I personally chose not to do early access on Steam because, you know, it was. You know, my, my my first practice project, I wasn't sure if I was even going to see it through. And also, sometimes early access gives me kind of a, a weird feeling. Like, I, I do think it's possible to do early access and to create a, a wonderful experience and uh, nobody feels cheated. But I've also seen, like, the opposite of that, where people do early access and get your money and then the updates kind of slow down or stop entirely and people are left with a broken game that they paid triple a prices for. That was something that I always wanted to avoid with Skeletac. Like I think uh, just 
how I am as a person and the type of game that Skill Attack is, I always wanted it to come from a really sincere place. Like people would ask me, yo, when when is it like when's it going up for pre-order or is it going to be early access? Like I want to give money to this. And every time I was like, I will ask for your money when the game is finished. And like until then, please play like this constantly updating demo for free. Like I don't I don't want your money right now. And that's what that was the story of me and Skeletac in the first year of development, just building up those friendships and relationships and just letting people know like, hey, I'm not trying to get in your wallet. Like at the end of the day, I just want us all to have fun and be friendly with each other. Like I don't I don't need your money. Ultimately, I would love to make money on Skeletac, and I hope that I do. But making those connections and friendships and building that trust and making just a good game um, always came first to me, no matter how much money I had, you know, sitting around. That's pretty awesome. I mean, and that's I was just curious because, uh, you know, we've talked to so many who, who do Steam Early Access or Kickstarter and, uh, you know, I, everybody has their approach. Yeah. And I, I'm, not, I'm not knocking either of those approaches. Oh, yeah. Um, it just wasn't right for us personally. Yeah, and I think that's that's uh, that's awesome that you guys are able to function without it because I, I do I do agree with you on the early access stuff. I, I still am leery when I see that on games on Steam. Yeah. Um, and actually, it kind of makes me laugh a little bit. This is way <laughs> off on the other side of things, but it makes me laugh too that the most popular game in the world, uh, Fortnite, every time you fire that up, that it still says early access <laughs> on one of the yeah. games. <laughs> And I'm it's like, well, insane. you guys made how many billions of dollars off of this, probably. <laughs> right. Why is that screen still there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Like, have, having said that, though, I um, when Skell Attack releases, that's not going to be, like, the final the final version of the game that, that ever appears. Um, I want to stay on um, for as long as makes sense to, you know, just provide general updates and to... Uh, improve quality of life for you know the players maybe introduce some new fun things that i haven't even thought about yet but you know i i wanted to get to a good point first where i could say yeah the game is finished now you can open your wallet if you feel like it i don't care (laughs) (laughs) yeah dave and i talked about it um a a few times but uh there's a, a concept by rami ismail uh, which is performative game development. And uh, essentially what, what you do is you have a baseline of the game and you put that out on early access. And you know people will go and purchase the game uh, with the commitment from you as the developer, um, basically saying, okay, every week we're going to do a, a push of the build. Uh, you'll get updates on the game uh, every week. And then for, you know, two days of the week, we'll actually uh, jump on Twitch or Mixer and um, we'll go through some of the latest build of the game and, you know, what we're tackling as the devs. And you kind of bring your community along. And during the time, everyone that's bought those early access versions are creating videos around the game. They're streaming it, uh, putting it on YouTube. So, uh, you know, what you do is you keep going through that until eventually you get to the launch date. And when you launch, you already have tons of videos on YouTube or Twitch uh, about the game. At that point, you've already made a lot of money along the way. You know, I think Rami was saying that $200,000 they made on the game before it even launched. Um, So essentially they funded themselves that way. Um, they funded the, the two developers that are working on the title. 
So yeah, I mean, that, that's another option. And yeah, how to utilize early access the right way versus just saying, here's a, here's a bill that may not go anywhere after this. Yeah, exactly. You're very much in touch with your community. And if you take away the live streaming that, that they did with that performative game development and the money, you know, the income, that's essentially what I was trying to do with Skull Attack from the beginning, just involving the community at every turn, inviting that feedback, positive, negative, or, you know, whatever, and just making people feel like sometimes they could have a voice and a say in the future development of Skull Attack. And there are people that have been by my side since 2015 when I began this game and was first showing, you know, screenshots and videos. Um, and they played the demos and loved it, but they had, you know, bugs and issues and, and think like ideas. And I would implement some of these things. And now it's like, Hey, remember, like, remember when your wife had that weird idea to have the, the jellies heal you when you walked up next to them? Like that was, that wasn't my idea. That was an idea that came from some fans who just freaking loved what I was making. And they started to think about like what it means to live in this world. And they sometimes had ideas that I never would have come up with. And I think that's really important. Just creating that community and involving, involving people in the process. I love those little jelly guys, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. I couldn't stop laughing the first time I ran up there. I was like, what's this guy going to do to me? And I was like, oh, he heals me. Shut up. There's a little heart popping. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so funny. Like, watching Let's Plays of any version of the demo where the jellies exist, um, people people's first reaction is usually to, like, try to, like, slice them <laughs> with the sword. Yeah. Because, like, you know, it's so... I, I laugh at it every time because... Um, we're, it's so ingrained in us. Like I'm in a dungeon, I'm seeing monsters and <laughs> jelly, jelly creatures in front of me. Like, this is obviously an enemy. I need to kill it. And then you see them like, Oh, wait, wait, this is okay. This is my friend. Look, he's healing me. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I tried to kill you, <laughs> <laughs> but, but Dave, I mean, it's the complete opposite way. So like, like one example is the shaman. You know, people, yeah, people yeah. when they first encounter the shaman. And he's throwing like, fireballs. Well, well, oh, wait, no, wait, no, sorry. No, not that guy. No, the guy with the mask. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the shaman with the mask. And, like, like people will come up and they're like, oh, this must be a good guy, right? Yeah. And they'll, like, walk up to him and then they get punched in the face. <laughs> and, like, but Jelly, they'll go, like, Jelly is a smile on his face and he's just <laughs> hanging out. And they'll go and try to kill him, but they'll, they won't try to kill the shaman. It's so, it's so funny. Like, I, none of that was intended, but it's really funny to, to see it mess with players, like, what they're used to doing in a game and seeing how invalid those feelings are in skeleton. <laughs> gotcha. Well, it's, nice, it's nice that you're mixing it up though. So that way, you know, people are, you know, you're kind of flipping it on them to, you know, get them to react differently. Yeah. It was, you know, really important to me from the start. Like once I had a, a working platformer engine, just to be like, what are people expecting and how can I totally turn that around on them? Um, because I knew like, I'm not going to be the greatest programmer, not even close. So all I have is visuals and storytelling. Like if my programming isn't anything groundbreaking, I have to I have to do something groundbreaking visually or with the story. Uh, I mean, I think I, I hope Skeletac will have a very long shelf life. Like I feel like 
as a game, it's not relying on any current fads. I, I it's not trying to be like photorealistic, which two two years after photorealistic games come out, they look like crap. So <laughs> hopefully we're going in the right direction with this and people will enjoy it and continue to want to talk about it for a long time. I do think it's the kind of game that's that's great for replayability. And uh, yeah. Just from the demo that I played and, and I can even see it be something that uh, speedrunners would pick up eventually. Yeah, so I met this great guy uh, in Boston when we did PAX East. It, he was like, I'm, you know, I'm part of a speedrunning community for this game. I, I can't remember what game it was, but you know, he stops by our booth and he plays Skell Attack and he came back multiple days, which at an event like PAX is just really great to see because there's so much other stuff you could be doing, but some certain people at PAX East and at PAX South, they kept coming back day after day to just hang with us and to play through the demo again and to see if they could uh, improve their death count or find <laughs> you know some new hidden things. But yeah, after we all left PAX East, uh, this guy like starts uploading videos of speed runs and, that he was doing and new techniques that he was finding out to maximize his time. And I was just like, Oh my God. Like I thought, I, <laughs> I, I thought speedrunners could get into this, but I'm not a speedrunner myself. So I was just like, I don't know. I'm just going to build this game and hope that it flows well. But he ended up beating the demo, the entire demo in six minutes, start to wow. finish. That's nuts. I would see other people doing casual let's plays, spending six minutes plus in the very first room of the dungeon. So it was just yep. insane to see, um, what he was able to do, like techniques and fast movements and weird, I guess sort of exploits, but like just weird techniques that I hadn't even thought about as a developer. So um, I hope the speedrunning community can kind of pick up on that and do some insane stuff with the full release. Yeah, I, I think that it, it definitely fits in nicely with that style of, of gameplay for people. So. Yeah, like, you know, I was talking with Shane and Doug about this and we understood early on that Skell Attack provides um, it, it provides something good for a number of play styles. You know, if you just want some solid platforming and some cool boss fights, you've got that. If you love reading lore and discovering hidden things and exploring the world around you, um, we've got that too. And if you want to speed run, you can do that. If you want to go for like a low death or a no death run. The game doesn't make these things apparent to you. Like, you know, there's not a speed run option where a clock pops up or anything. It's kind of like if you want to play the game this way, it's totally it's totally there for you. And uh, hopefully people will find other ways to play the game that we haven't really thought about yet. So you mentioned just now about like the lore and stuff. So what what exactly in uh, influenced all of that? Like what's because I mean, way earlier you mentioned about uh, how the skeleton kind of just got plugged into this system and and how that kind of became the fuel for the fire. But like, what else kind of influenced you as far as like the storyline and and how how you wanted to move forward with that? So I remember <laughs> the lore kind of came about because I didn't really have many NPCs in the game at that time, and I also was having a massive problem uh, getting text boxes and and just back and forth dialogue programming to work properly. So I was like, you know what? What if I do my world building through a single text pop-up at a bookshelf? And each time you go to one, it's a it's a new 
diary entry or a new excerpt from a novel from one of the dungeon dwellers. And I could do my world building that way. You know, there was very little like seeing an actual character and going up to talk to them and having a back and forth at the time. The lore was kind of my lazy way around. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, Yakuza came on and they were like, hey, we need to do some more character development, you know, like maybe think about designing, you know, a, a, a few more NPCs and working on text and dialogue. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I kind of like went into uh, hermit mode for a week or two and just worked hardcore on uh, getting that dialogue stuff to work. But yeah, the the whole bookshelf thing, the lore, it just started off as like a lazy programmer wanting to do world building, but not actually wanting to program dialogue boxes. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Like it ended up working in my favor because people have really latched onto that in, in some cases, you know, that, that type of gamer who loves reading and world building. But, you know, even before Skeletac, I would play um, Skyrim is always one that comes to mind when people ask me about the lore. I didn't read a, a lot of the books in Skyrim because it was very like history based and some of the books were quite long and um, sometimes I just wasn't in the mood, but it always stuck with me as this wonderful little touch. Like Bethesda worked so hard to write each of these entries and to hide them and to put them in random places, uh, knowing that a lot of people might never see that, but they did it anyway. And so when I was, you know, building up Skeletac, that was something that always came to mind, like, wow, what, what an insane and charming attention to detail that just makes the world around you feel alive. And it makes it feel like it existed for thousands of years before you got there. You know, that was important to me. Yeah. that's really cool. And I, I, uh, you know, that's something I think I'm, I can speak for Matt here, too. I think both of us appreciate that. Um, you know, sometimes, uh, regardless of what I'm playing, I'll end up spending a half hour longer than I want to uh, unintentionally just reading through yeah. stuff or like the little files or little things you might pick up. Yeah. But I've yeah. always wondered is on the other end of that is if someone never finds that, does that bother you at all that you've <laughs> spent the time developing that and writing that? And then, cause like I know in the demo, like I'm running around every time I think I see a crack in the wall, I'm like slashing it like crazy. With oh, that man. Sword. So you are the target audience for this game. Like you are the kind of player that I'm building this game for. It's weird. It does. It doesn't, it doesn't really bother me that much when people don't care. Like, okay, there's a, a bit of weirdness when I see a new let's play and they're like turbo pressing the button through all of the dialogue. They just like want to get to the gameplay and it's their first time through the game. And, you know, Ember the bat is trying to help them and they're like going (laughs) past all of it. And I'm like, no, no, (laughs) like just please read, please read. There's like a little bit of that where I'm just like, oh man, I I hope they understand how to do everything because they totally just blew through the entire tutorial. Um, But you know, that that's on them. But as far as like lore and hidden stuff in general, no, it gives me a great deal of pleasure, strangely. Like, you know, it's like hiding Easter eggs for the kids. Like, you hope they find all of them. You can kind of nudge them in the right direction. But, you know, maybe they don't. Maybe they don't find that. And that Easter egg rots under a bush somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but for the, for the people who love to look for stuff like that, I, I know they get such a kick out of it. And... I know that there are tons of people like you and me 
out there. So it does not bother me as much as you might think, because for the people who don't care about lore and talking to, to characters, you don't have to do any of that, really. It's mostly optional to talk to NPCs in general. And for that, we've got really challenging platforming and really challenging boss battles. So I feel like no matter what kind of player you are, there should be something there for you. Awesome. But I highly recommend you do speak to the NPCs. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like, like we went back and we, we rewrote a ton of the dialogue. Yeah. And, and it's freaking hilarious. Oh, yeah. Like Shane and Doug have been really instrumental in helping me build this voice. I always considered myself kind of a writer, but not a really, really good one. I always notice when I'm writing for characters, sometimes it's really difficult to give each character a unique voice that doesn't just sound like David Stanley under a slightly different filter. <laughs> um, so it's been really cool to collaborate with some other humans who have different ways of speaking and different ideas about the types of characters that might exist. So yeah, definitely talk to them if you can, because we've we've put a lot of love into uh, the different interactions there. Awesome. That's awesome stuff. <laughs> Maybe then uh, both of you can kind of speak to this. What are your kind of plans for the project over the next, say, like five to six months? Yeah, so we, we actually have new areas of the dungeon that we've been building. Um, there's some really, really cool mechanics uh, that we've implemented already and, and we're adding. So just to kind of to list out a few of those, um, we, we actually did a, a dev build stream on Twitch a couple weeks back. But there's, there's some really cool stuff on there. So we're implementing multi-stage boss battles. Um, so right now it's just, you know, you're fighting the boss and you just got to slash him as many times as you can until his HP is down and he dies. Uh, but now we're, we're putting some new, new spins in there where there's things like you have to destroy certain shields first before you can actually give him damage. Um, there's like multiple phases that you have to get through with each of the boss fights. There, you know, Ember, Ember is really the star of this, this, uh, this show here <laughs> and, um, every, everyone loves her. And, uh, so, so we decided like, let's, let's give Ember a little bit more spotlight. So there's actually challenges and obstacles that you have to use Ember only to, uh, progress through the game. So, you know, if there's, there's smaller areas where Scully can't fit through, he can literally go in and send uh ember by herself and you know the player takes control of ember and has to flap the wings and fly through and avoid uh you know different different items that'll kill you uh to hit switches that are on other sides of walls and things like that um or knock out knock out enemies so there, there's some really cool things like that that are in the works um there's different uh you know uh, obstacles or or bad things we put through the dungeon like acid pools now yeah which uh which will damage you oh we've got like you would expect moving platforms and um oh yeah like fire traps hidden under things like sometimes you'll uh break open a crate thinking there's treasure inside but it's actually a floor switch and when you hit it like fire just kind of shoots down the hallway towards you <laughs> just thing things that we've all seen but I'm, I've been having a lot of fun just finding new ways to torment the player. And a lot, <laughs> a lot of it is just through, through platforming and finding the ideal way to not get wrecked. <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, 
since so long ago, it was uh, really important to us that Ember wasn't just a cool looking sprite that follows you around. Um, she was actually a character with feelings and dialogue and with her own unique set of skills that without her, Scully would not be able to complete this mission. Um, we just really wanted to bring her forward as much as possible to be as as much an asset to the team as Scully is with his sword. So that's been I, a lot of fun. I do appreciate the the way that you're able to use her to kind of bring out his personality a little bit more. Too. Yeah, because he doesn't talk that much. He's not a silent protagonist, but he's a little bit more the silent type and more serious in a lot of cases. And she brings a lot of levity and, you know, comedic relief to things. I, I think... And that's that's something we've we've seen, you know, going all the way back to like uh, the silent film era. Um, just two characters that kind of play off e- off of each other in unique ways because they're so different. Yeah, um, we we uh, also did a complete redesign on all the knights. Um, so the knights have a brand new look and feel armor. They're much more badass now than they <laughs> were before. Yeah, yeah. And we uh, we implemented a parry system. So it's oh, not as awesome. easy now to just go and slash and kill those those knights. They uh, they will block. They they will block. <laughs> you'll see their block, and you'll hear their block of their sword clink. And it's going to take a little bit more work to to kill these guys. Yeah, I, right. I like that challenge. Except there. <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, I was really excited to get that implemented, and it was weird that it took like two years for the thought to even like come up in my mind. Actually, I don't know who came up with it first. I don't think it was me. <laughs> but once the idea came about, I was like, yes, it must be done. Yeah. I mean, we, we heard it from our community. And uh, when we were at PAX East, people were like, oh, it'd be good to have some sort of uh, parry system oh, so you're yeah. not just slashing the whole whole way. So again, going back to our awesome community to to give us ideas and, and help evolve the game right and that's incredible I, I, that um and that's that's something that i depending on the company right and depending on how people are some people feel like as gamers they're not really listened to and they don't really realize sometimes how much developers take that feedback and definitely and develop that kind of stuff and so that's great to hear that you guys are able to take that and really build upon that um and it's all stuff that's I don't want to say it's expectations for a game but stuff that's a welcome addition to a game that allows it to really yeah. Feel fully fleshed out and, and give it a different element or a different uh, piece of life that it didn't have before. Well, I feel like yeah, that's definitely. been uh, like the general theme lately for us in these interviews is, is that's what, you know, everyone we've interviewed as of late has been involved in the community and, and they realize that that's, that's been helping them create better content. That's been you know, yeah. giving them like a tweak of perspective, like, oh, I didn't, I didn't quite see this, you know, like, you can stare at something for so long and you just kind of, you know, get maybe tunnel vision around it. You're like, okay, well, you're focused on this or that as far as the development yeah. process. And then someone comes in and, you know, turns on a light switch. You're like, oh, okay, <laughs> cool. That's absolutely true. Like in the weirdest ways, like I would not be able to see the forest for the trees yeah. in, in a lot of cases. And I remember um, spending a year working on Skell Attack before I sent out the first demo to um, the Twitter community. And I was like, all right, I, I think I've, you know, crossed all my T's, dotted all my I's, et cetera. I think I'm good to go. I put it out and I remember a weird message comes back to me pretty quickly. Like, did you know if you press 
if you press start on your gamepad on the main menu, it crashes the game. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, it's just really weird things. Like, people will press any any button, and they should. They totally should. And it, I never even thought about pressing start on the main menu. I was always pressing, you know, the X button. But yeah, the game was like trying to pause because that's what start is mapped to do. And the game was like, I can't pause. It hasn't started yet. <laughs> so it was just like, like, oh man, like facepalm. Like I didn't even, didn't even realize. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is kind of crazy. Like when I see like glitches or whatever, I'm like, how do people figure this out? Like, how do people find these weird exploits? Are they literally just yeah, so, doing different combinations? Like there was that um, one in, in Bloodborne where like if you like transferred everything but the stone or something like that, you could like recreate your like blood vials or something like that. And I was just like, I, I how have do no people idea come up with this? Like, I don't understand how this happens. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever watch uh, the GDQ speed runs, but I watched somebody break, not break, but like exploit Doom 2016 heavily. They were like, glitching through walls and walking on top of the map and standing on a railing in a, in the like pixel perfect position that launches you into the sky and you can sail through the air to the final room of the map. It was absolutely insane. (laughs) I don't know how people find out this sort of thing. And it just makes me wonder like every, every week I'm just like, is someone going to break skill attack in such a way that I'm just, you know, my mind is blown. I, I kind of hope, I kind of hope not like, yeah, but you, you just, you can never predict how people are going to use your software. But there, I think there's a joy for that as you guys as developers too. Um, Cause from just stuff I've listened to, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. It, it just seems like to be able to see people do that in some way, sometimes, you know, if it cheap, cheapens the experience, it's bad, but you know, for them to do for a speed run or, um, you know, I watched yeah. an interview with Jeremy Dunham about rocket league and he's like, the stuff people are doing with flying through the air, we never thought was possible with the game. <laughs> yeah, there is some joy there. Like, I remember being at PAX South, which was our first time taking Skull Attack on the road. And people would get to the uh, the boss fight at the end of the demo. And um, they were they were speeding through it um, just by hanging on to their cure spell. And they would s- literally stand in front of the boss, spam cure when they needed to, and just take him out with the sword and just like spam these sword attacks on him. And I was like, Oh my God, they're not even moving around at all. Oh my God. There's, <laughs> and I, I gave them the ability to do that because I added the cure spell to the game. And I just, I never thought about how someone could use that. So I was kind of like, Oh, I need to fix that. And at, the <laughs> sa- at the same time, I was like, that's freaking cool. Like to see somebody play my game in a new way that I never really expected. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've had a few of those internally too, where yeah. we, we'd be testing a build <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to the, uh, the, I forgot which, which boss it was. I think it was the, uh, the dungeon boss. They're, uh, they're all dungeon the, bosses. The, the, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, pri- the prison boss. Oh yeah. And I just, I just stood above him on a platform and I casted fire and I just kept casting fire and he couldn't do anything about it. He's stuck in one spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I remember getting that report and I was just like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I got like, it's really, it, it was a weird challenge for me as a developer to figure out ways to keep the player moving and not standing still. Like it seems like it would be simple, uh, but in some cases it was not. 
and we're still we're still getting there you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, you know like like one, one big thing for the community is like we love the feedback the, the feedback's great um you know we love seeing them break it in every which way uh or things that they think could, could improve and mm-hmm. um you know there's been a lot of controversy lately around toxicity in the community um you know with the whole arena net thing that's that went down um, so, you know, one, one bit of advice to the community is, you know, when you speak to the developers, like give constructive feedback, you know, there, there's some people that deliver it super well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's others that are like, this thing is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's like, cool, thanks. We'll, we'll work on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I used to be terrible at, at receiving feedback when I, before working on scale attack and it was something that I kind of had to teach myself, like, Hey man, don't, don't take it too personally if you can help it. Um, because some people are not good at giving feedback, you know, giving good, giving good feedback is a skill as much as being able to receive constructive or slightly negative feedback. Uh, Shane has sent me some really funny screenshots of like just some of the wacky feedback that we get that's neither here nor there and it's like (laughs) what do we even do with that (laughs) but you know i will say um it's been overwhelmingly positive yeah yeah props to the community like there are some great people who follow skull attack and yakuza and who really care about us as people not just themselves as a gamer and what they want you know, people have been really, really good at just kind of giving me that compliment sandwich. Like, hey, man, great work on the demo. I found this small list of bugs and things. And then to finish it off, you know, great job. Like, keep up the good work. And that is like, I'll be your best friend forever. If you <laughs> if you can follow something similar to that format. <laughs> I want to I want to know that you don't hate my guts completely. <laughs> that, that's all I need. Well, I feel like it's it's more it, it makes you more receptive to what they're saying as far as, you know, like mm-hmm. as opposed to being yeah. a completely negative thing that you just oh, okay, well they're just they're just a negative person or you know, this is just like all like negative feedback or it's yeah, not necessarily yeah. worth yeah. looking at or you know this is like yeah, and toxicity yeah. right yeah. Yeah. you have you have to run it all through a filter like yeah. if even even if it's like some really nasty stuff like oh this sucks and you know i, I hated this then okay all right what is this person really trying to say mm-hmm. you know and and just look at how can we make the game better yeah. obviously we're not going to respond to some of the stuff that you know, is really negative, but we'll, we'll always look at like, what's the core message that that person's trying yeah. to communicate. And it helps us so much if there's video evidence of it. I'm not saying you, I'm not <laughs> saying you need to like, you know, become a streamer or a let's player just to like, just to talk to me. But there've been a lot of times where I've, I've just witnessed a, a moment of confusion or some frustration that just came about completely naturally and unscripted on the part of the the user. And I could take that back and be like, I don't even know if they remembered that after the fact, but I I saw how they reacted. And that's something that I can address for the future. Yeah. Awesome. Speaking of the future. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, speaking of of all this and and kind of building up to, to this, why don't you guys both go ahead and tell us a little bit about to kind of wrap this up. Tell us a little bit about social media, the websites where we can, uh, find you guys, how people can interact with you. Cause we've mentioned the Twitter a couple of times. I know we've mentioned the site a couple of times in the demo. So kind of just 
give us uh, all that information for our listeners to to have. Um, and then, you know, if if there's anything you want to say about launch of the the game in the future, when you you're hoping or shooting for, um, you know, platforms and things like that as well, you're welcome to speak to all of that. Uh, yeah, so uh, definitely check out our website, um, yakuza.com, U-K-U-Z-A.com. You'll be able to see all of our titles on there, including Skeletac, uh, which will link you over to skeletac.com. Uh, where you can you know see some of our devlogs that we have on there, uh, download the demo. Uh, we're also on Game Jolt, um, so you can find Skeletac on there. Um, and then our Twitter is at Skeletac on Twitter, um, or at Yakuza on Twitter as well. And David is under uh, at Dave Draws. Yeah, D- D- Dave underscore Draws. Yeah, and I, um, you know, at the moment I'm pretty much exclusively posting about skill attack as well. And I don't care if you follow me or not. I mean, you'll get most of the good stuff from the skill attack page itself, but you know, mine is, it's going to have a bit more of a personal touch to some of the things that I'm thinking about and working on on a daily basis. And I'm always happy to chat with the community, of course. Yep. So, I mean, in terms of future, um, you know, we're, we're shooting for the fall, a fall release, uh, hopefully October 31st release. Nice. Good choice. <laughs> if that happens or not, we'll see. Uh, like I said, there's still some really good business strategy and opportunities that are in the works that we're playing through right now. Mm-hmm. I, I hate having to be so cryptic about it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we're used to it. We're used yeah, to it. Yeah, I mean, it's funny how much we've talked to people about stuff and they're like, well, we can't really quite say this yet because of, you know, you know, legal reasons, but Be- because of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, if, if those should happen, then it's something really, really good for the game. That's going to elevate the game experience, but it will push, push that timeline back, uh, in order to implement all of the new awesome stuff we're going to put in it for yeah. you. Yeah. So that's, that's really kind of where we're, where we're shooting and, you know, how the timeline could be affected. And, uh, regardless of if that thing happens or not, once Skeletac launches, like I mentioned earlier, I still plan to stay on for for as long as it's viable to, you know, continue that dialogue with the community and to continue to improve the game. Uh, because it, I want it to feel like an organic experience for as long as I can. And I want people to be able to be happy with the end product. And then somewhere in there, uh, me and those Yakuza boys are going to be thinking about what what game we want to roll on next, you know, internally. Yeah, it should be awesome. interesting. I just have one last quick question, if you don't mind me asking. I know Epic Loon is on uh, Xbox One, Steam, and Switch, correct? Correct, yeah. And so are there any plans to bring that to PS4 out of curiosity? So PS4 is on the roadmap. Um, we do have approval from Sony. Um, really what it came down to was just the, the amount of resources we had versus the timeline. So, you know, we just came upon that launch date so quick, uh, we weren't able to deliver for that, the, the PS4, uh, right now, but we are planning a a follow-up, uh, to release the, the PlayStation version shortly, uh, as long, as long as we're doing okay on the other platforms. Um, you know, obviously if for some reason it tanks completely and, you know, we're hurting, then we're not going to, to release that version. But uh, as of right now, it is it is on the roadmap, and we do have approval, like I said. Cool. cool. Yeah, we're, we're, we're PlayStation nerds over here, so we just like <laughs> just like to make sure every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, same here. Yeah, I'm, 
I, I love my PS4. I, I don't own a Switch yet, but I'm really excited to just like tell people like, yeah, I'm going to buy a Switch so that I can play my game when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. The, the Switch is something I'd like to pick up too. I was so. really yeah. tempted yesterday with the uh, Prime Day and the deal they had. So oh, I was like, right, oh, right. oh man. But I was like, uh, I held off. I was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't spend three hundred dollars right now. That's true, and I'm I'm still very much attached to my 3ds, and uh, I still have like a a big list of games that I plan to buy for that. So I kind of feel like the 3ds is my Switch Mini there you go. for right now. Like that's <laughs> how I like to think about it, so that I don't get too depressed. <laughs> Perfect. Well. I do want to thank you, Shane, and thank you, David, for stopping by. Um, this has been a blast. I'd yes, probably likewise. talk to you guys all day long if we could. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we don't have listeners that would listen that long, I think. That's true. It would just be the four of us listening to it. We appreciate you stopping by. Um, again, guys, this is David Stanley and Shane Delamo from Yakuza Games. Uh, you can check out Epic Loon. It's on PS, or not PS4. It's coming to PS4, hopefully. Uh, Xbox One, uh, Switch, and, and Steam. Uh, Scale Attack as well. He gave you all that information before. Uh, go by, check it out. The demo's great. I have a Let's Play of it up on our YouTube. I just worked on part two yesterday. Nice. Um, so I'll have that up hopefully by the time this podcast is live. I've got to go watch that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll see my genuine reaction to the the little jelly guy that we were talking about before. <laughs> great, where I was like, great. what am I supposed to do with this guy? Oh, he's that, little hearts. This is amazing. <laughs> that's all I want to see, really. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, remember, you can find us on Podbean, Patreon, and all that good stuff, iTunes as well. Uh, And until next time, game on. Game on. This is the outro music for Skeletech. This is the Skeletac. outro music for Skeletac. Skeletac. Ah, ah.